Welcome to the sermon podcast for First St. Charles United Methodist Church in downtown St. Charles, Missouri. We are so glad that you're here, and it's our prayer that you feel safe, welcome, and wanted in this space. If you're interested in finding out more about us or supporting our ministries, you can connect with us online at firststcharlesumc.org. Today's scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 14. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Let us turn our faces to the Lord God and be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. In his great mercy, God has given us living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Kathleen Norris is a poet who, with her husband, moved to her grandmother's house, a small farmhouse in South Dakota. There she began a spiritual reawakening that saw her begin to attend a little rural church where she was impressed by the profound spirituality of the people in attendance. One was a woman named Levon. Here's Norris's description. Tonight, she wants me to come with her to a Church of God revival meeting. Do I look like I need reviving, I ask? And she laughs. But then she gets her confused look. And I remember that for all the abuse Levon has taken in her life, she's the least resentful person I know. She's the least resentful person I know. What would it take to become the least resentful person anyone could know? Could it, by chance, be a real sense of peace. Peace in her life, peace with the world, peace in relationship with others, peace with herself, peace in relationship with God. I was on my way to visit the mother of my college roommate and lifelong friend, Steve. Steve, who joined us for one of our trivia contests here at the church last spring, died last May, and his mom, Betty, invited me to come by for a visit. As I drove into the fairly upscale neighborhood near the Belle Reve Country Club, I encountered a couple of road signs I'd never, ever seen before. Have you seen one of these? Traffic calming ahead. Who knew you could... Calm traffic. Many times I've been anything but calm in traffic. If you've been among the many who long for a calm and peace, not just on the roadway, but throughout life, it may take more than a few frequent speed bumps or roundabouts to do the trick. Whenever Methodists gather for our annual conference meetings, as we will in June, it's customary for us to sing that hymn whose text by Charles Wesley has us exclaim, 
What troubles have we seen? What mighty conflicts past? Fightings without and fears within since we assembled last. Have you found, as I have, that your biggest troubles are not the ones without, but the ones within? Do you catch yourself rehearsing a problem from the past, a mistake that you've made, a relationship that's gone sideways, a grievance that you bear? The voices may sound like that of a parent or teacher or Maybe your own voice. It may come from the worm theology that you were taught by some toxic form of faith that said, you're no better than a worm. A voice that tells you you're not good enough, smart enough, successful enough, loved enough. Keith Giles is speaking to a lot of us when he recounts a conversation with a therapist who suggested that inner voice we all have isn't something we need to silence. What we need to learn to do instead is to make friends with it and to recognize that it's only trying to protect us from getting hurt again. It's a reminder that our inner voice of criticism is often merely a defensive mechanism designed to keep us from those places of failure and pain that we've encountered or have faced in any given day. The therapist went on to say, we have to speak to our inner voice and thank it for working so hard to keep us from pain and misery. Then we have to let that inner voice know that we're going to be okay and that we can take it from here. Have you made friends? Can you make friends with your inner voice? Or, I might add, voices, because on any given day there can be a whole chorus inside. As a general rule, I don't share much about my own spiritual, internal life. I'd like to think I have some good reasons. Uh, for starters, I really want to avoid the abuses of some religious expressions that seem little more than manipulation fueled by a kind of narcissism on steroids. But if I'm being really honest, it's a defensive mechanism because talking about my own internal spiritual life means being much more vulnerable in a setting like a sermon that in and of itself already feels pretty scary for me. That all said, if I can have your permission to share, there is a prayer that I've found myself praying very frequently over the last 30 plus years. It's a centering prayer. The kind of prayer that comes when you pick a word, just one word, and repeat it again and again. Sometimes changing inflection. Sometimes saying it faster and faster or more slowly, 
repeating it as you breathe in and breathe out. The word that most inhabits my personal prayer life is peace, shalom, peace. I pray for peace. Peace for myself, inside myself. Peace for relationships. Peace for the whole world. Perhaps it's because at times peace feels so lacking in my life. Have you prayed for peace? Do you long for peace? What would it look like to be at peace? Praying for peace is one thing that we can do. It helps. On the other hand, at its heart, peace isn't something that we do or achieve. It comes as a gift. Jesus promised peace. Comes as he and his disciples head straight rushing in to that final night before his crucifixion? Did they choke on the meal that they had just eaten when he told them that one among them would betray him? Peter certainly had a hard time swallowing the news that he would deny his Christ. And the pressure generated by the empire colluding with the religious bureaucracy was surely eating them all alive. As I imagine it, that's when Jesus lifts his hand as in benediction to say, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Peace. Before it's anything we do or achieve or get, because of how we pray, peace comes as a gift. Christ's parting grace, if you will. Peace. Peace. You all get peace. He would give everybody peace. And it has a direct bearing on every single relationship in our lives, whether the relationship with all the voices inside us or the relationships that we have with our neighbor or even the wider political relationships that affect us all. Tony Campolo tells of a pastor friend who a number of years ago was living in New York and would go every day to this restaurant and have a couple of donuts and coffee. He did this every morning for two months. Finally dawned on him that the same people were there every single day. So one morning he stood up and said, Excuse me, everybody, but I've been coming in here every day for two months at 6.30 in the morning. It's the same people here every day, and I don't know anyone. Would you please stand up and introduce yourselves and tell us who you are and what you do? 
It may have been an introvert's nightmare, but they all went around. It was a virtual who's who. Bill Cosby's wife was there, as was Tom Wolfe, the author. It went on and on. Everybody introduced themselves. Everybody said what they were doing. The atmosphere clearly changed, and there was a real camaraderie created in the place. People would come in and say, Hi, Gordon. Hi, Ralph. Hi, Bill. Everybody knew about everybody except the man who ran the place. His name was Harry. They ganged up on Harry one day and said, Harry, we don't know anything about you. Where are you from? Do you have a family? He didn't want to answer. Finally, they pressed him and said, you have to answer. He said rather reluctantly, all right, if you have to know, my name is not Harry, it's Hasim. A dead silence fell over the crowd. He said, I'm from Iraq. My family is in Baghdad even now. And he said it with anger because the war in Iraq was just about to break out. It was an uncomfortable moment with the peace and playfulness of the place suddenly gone. And everybody kind of hunkered down and finished their coffee and donuts and got out of there. The next morning at 5.30 a.m., the telephone rang. Campolo's friend picked up the phone and answered it. The voice at the other end said, Ralph, have you been listening to the radio? He said, no. The man said, the bombing in Baghdad has just begun. Without hesitation, Ralph hung up the phone, rushed to the cable car that would take him over to Manhattan, and came down the steps and ran over to the coffee shop. To his absolute amazement, at quarter to six in the morning, everyone who had coffee in that shop that morning, in the morning, had already arrived. They all wanted to be there when Harry arrived, when Hasim arrived. At 6 a.m., when Hasim turned the corner and saw them, he was amazed. They ran up, encircled him, and they wept, and they cried with him. Finally, Tom Wolfe said, All right, all right, Ralph, you're a preacher, pray. Ralph said, I stood there on the corner. Here I am, a Protestant preacher praying for a Muslim with some Jewish people and some agnostics standing around praying with me. When we finished the prayer, I looked up and tears were streaming down Hasim's face, who then said, all right, all right, but you still have to pay for the donuts. And then he added, but from now on, my friends, and you are my friends, the coffee will always be free. There is a giftedness to peace. It's peace 
that allows people to know one another. Peace that allowed Harry to share that he was really Hasim. It's peace on a corner of New York City that saw Americans rushing to support an Iraqi in the midst of the bombing of Baghdad. It's peace that is God's gift and giftedness to us all. Peace Christ would leave with us. Whatever else may come of this day, can you receive peace as the gifted grace you most need?